Well, J-Pal stands up. No more Mr. Nice Guy, he screams at markets, sending markets into a tailspin. We've got the VIX above 30%. We've got the dollar pushing top of its range. Gold prices get slammed as real rates move progressively higher. We discuss all these factors and more as we go into the trade-off. Well, hi, my name's Chris Weston, Head of Research here at Pepperstone. I'm joined in a minute by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. We're going to be analysing, unpacking, navigating all the landmine setups, as we always do uh, as we go into the trade-off. And we're going to be looking at all the madness that's going on in the, in the, in the financial market. So, of course, if you, if you like what you hear, do hit the like button, smash the like button, leave a review, leave a comment, and we'll get back to you with those, those when we can as well. But it's just a, such a crazy time uh, in markets, so much going on. And so I'm going to bring Blake into the programme and just yeah, before we go into you know topical funder and actually dissect some of the key macro themes, I mean we're talking about high high volatility in these markets. Blake, you're a veteran. I'm a veteran, perhaps not as as veteraned as you are. Um, but how are you adapting here? What sort of knowledge can you depart on on viewers to to trade and adapt to this high volatility environment across asset class at the moment? Josh, that's a great question, and 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 nice to be back here, Chris, and good to see good you, see you and, uh, and the team there at Pepperstone. I'll tell you, um, volatility is obviously on the rise, and and it it, it really is. A, it, it took me for a, a ride actually early on in the week, yeah. and when you when you figure it out that volatility is getting the bands are getting a little wider, is when you step in front of the market. You know, as as traders, we always look for a reversion back to the mean. You yeah, know, we we can say, all right, well, you know, the trends. Like for example, the stocks are stocks are so bearish. I'm 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 going to get short, and then they've gone down what you think might be far enough, and then you know they you, you stick in a bid, and then you get rolled over. That happened to me this week. I, I actually thought on Monday, hey, we're a little oversold. Put in a bid, got long. I had to step away from my desk. Uh, got stopped out as I was away from my desk. Thirty minutes later, and I was like, wow, that was quick. And when things like that happen to me, uh, I know that volatility is on the rise and I need to really start being very careful because usually I can I can navigate as a veteran in the markets. I can navigate through the uh, normal volatility. And when things look a little overbought or oversold, I, I start to look for fades um, and I, I can play that pretty, you know, as a, a, again, for somebody who's been doing this for a while, I can navigate through those situations pretty easily. But when I get stopped out, that usually has told me that volatility is really on the rise and I need to start being very careful about going about my business in the markets. Yeah, good reason. I mean, for me, when you've got volatility this high, you know, certainly in equity markets, we've got it in fixed income and other factors. Yeah, position sizing is absolutely for you know, your first consideration. You know, you've got to look at that position sizing. You've got to understand your risk and you know, don't, don't believe you're better than the market because you get, you'll get cut up every day of the week. So high volatility, you need to adapt. And let's talk about what's caused the volatility. So let's go into the key themes. And I really want to discuss these for you because they're front and center at the moment. Let's go into topical funder and, and dissect. Well, Blake, you know, the, the FOMC meet, meeting, um, it wasn't, the statement wasn't, didn't give us anything new to be honest. Um, 
But then Jerome Powell stepped up, as I said in the, in the in the earlier section there. You know, he stood up and said, "No one, Mr. Nice Guy." Now I'm concerned. A lot of people are concerned that the Fed are, are dramatically behind the curve here with inflation at seven percent, unemployment at three point nine percent, and I think he sort of showed, showed an increased amount of caution uh, in his in his rhetoric uh, about inflation going higher and, and and staying high for a long period of time. Um, you know, he's given us a lot of what we already knew, but he's reinforced so many of these messages and, and the market's taken this as, as very hawkish. We've seen significant rise in, in nominal and real rates. You know, the dollar's gone for it. You know, equities came off on the back of what he said there. Um, but yeah, how much are you reading? What, what did you take out from, from the Fed meeting yourself? And then what does it mean for, for, for your market views? Well, you know, that you made, you made all great points and you're right. Uh, Fed Chairman Powell, he didn't really... A lot of people thought he might backtrack a little bit or, or, or maybe, uh, you know, I want to say, you know, backpedal maybe yeah. is a better better way to, to phrase it. Backpedal a little bit because of uh, the volatility we see in the markets. Obviously, that didn't happen. Yeah. But what that really tells me, Chris, is now over the next two, two months, we really, really need to focus on the data. Yeah. And inflation data is obviously going to be front and center. But boy, I'll tell you what, um, you know, when you start thinking about the, the number of rate hikes that we might have this year. And then you start thinking about, well, instead of a quarter basis point hike in, in March, could we really get a half a, half a basis point? And that's when now, now expectations will really start shifting pretty wildly yeah. based on economic data that comes out. What are your thoughts? Like, I, I, I want to take on that point because you, you're, you're, you're right. We, we've seen a tightening financial conditions. Credit spreads are started widening. You know, the VIX is something that's, you know, something they don't really want to see. But, you know, the VIX is at 30%. And equity markets have obviously pulled back significantly. So, yeah, the fact that when when he was asked about financial conditions, he didn't really give any kind of definition, and he wasn't didn't really give any kind of concern around them. The market felt validated in this response. You know, we've we've priced in rate hikes aggressively. We've sold risk. We've sold. You know, we've we've pushed out wider credit spreads on high yield, and the Fed chair didn't isn't concerned. He wants tighter financial conditions because that is effectively what they're trying to achieve with 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 monetary policy. So yeah, it was game on in that regard, and and I think the market yeah is is, is ready to go. But look. I think we've got about 20% chance for that May, May, May meeting now of a 50 basis point hike. A 50 basis point in my, in, in my height is, is an admittance that they've messed up, that they are behind the curve, and there's a policy mistake. They've allowed inflation to get too hot for too long, and now they need to front load and get aggressive with rate hikes. But there's also a lot about balance sheet reduction, and there's going to, we're going to hear a ton about that in, in, in various Fed speakers going forward. So we're now left with a situation where the market's pricing four and, a, four and a half rate hikes. There's almost a 50 basis point hike price for March, and we're talking about balance sheet. You know, it's, it's easy to see why gold got slammed. We could talk about that, why equities got slammed. No more Mr. Nice Guy. The Fed are behind the curve. He wants to step back in front of it and regain some composure there. I think your feelings are a little transitory, Chris. Ah, just say very that. good, very good, very good. Non-transitory. <laughs> I think that's pretty clear. Well, let's you know. Well, let's talk about some of the repercussions of 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 what happened today. Let's talk yeah. a little bit about the dollar. I mean, you know, the dollar index. I I was telling I was telling our traders today uh, earlier uh, this session, the U.S. session. You know, for you yesterday. I was telling our traders, look, the, the trade to, is to be long dollars and it's the boring trade, but it's the trade that's probably going to work as, as the Fed's not going to veer off schedule and they're going to they're going to just maintain. The Fed's got to retain some credibility. Here. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, here we go. Here we have the dollar index and the dollar index is approaching that 90, 90, uh, 96, 90, you know, trend high resistance. 
And we're, we're going up there in a pretty rapid rate. We've got the euro back below 113. Actually, it's below 112.70. We made lower lower lows now. Uh, you know, so it looks like the dollar is ready to rip higher. I, I'm, I'm wondering, are we going to hit new trend highs? And, and, you know, how high will the dollar go? I had originally always believed, Chris, that the dollar is going to see 100. I don't think in this leg higher it's going to see 100, but I do think that we could make it closer to 98. You know, some of the levels that we saw back in, uh, I, I would say, May of 2020, roughly that time frame. Yep. I think that's those are the levels that we're going to be seeing the dollar rally to, which yeah. could put the euro, you know, maybe around 111 or, or so. But what are your thoughts on the dollar here? Because yeah. I, I sure would hate to fade it, but it does look strong. And, um, you know, do you think we're going higher? Well, I think, yeah, if, if the Morrow family are thinking about going on holiday in Europe in, in, in any time soon, I think you're going to get more money for your, yeah, more purchasing power fairly soon. I, I do sit in the, in the bullish dollar camp, and I think you know, long dollar Swi uh, Swedish krona makes sense right now. You know, short euro dollar makes sense right now. We've seen a trend break. It's going to be my play of the day. We're going to talk about that in a second. I mean, have a look at the headlines we're seeing this morning. You know, uh, you know, the European Central Bank are talking about you know, looking at European lenders with Russian exposure on their balance sheet, you know, potential... Uh, you know, sanctions coming through there that could hit the European banking sector is breaking headlines. That, that's that's going to be euro negative in itself. The, 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 the concern I have about long dollars is the yield curve, though, Blake. I mean, fives, thirties are breaking down with 47 basis points. We've got twos, tens at 70 basis points, a flatter curve, you know, going towards an eyeing inversion. The Fed do not want to do that. That's where rate hikes get priced out. So you've got to keep an eye on the, on the curve. That's a dollar negative. But at the same time, Everything else now in terms of policy divergence is, is favoring the dollar again. The technicals are favoring the dollar. You've got a very, very hawkish Fed who are saying we are genuinely concerned about inflation. So, yeah, I, yeah, I don't want to agree with you here because, you know, agreement is, is never good. But uh, I, I, I find it hard not to be a dollar bull right now. You know, I've been I've been fading yeah. that and I, I like it. I like the dollar bull. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tending to agree with you and you're right. We shouldn't agree, but maybe we'll agree to agree or disagree to maybe we shouldn't agree. <laughs> yeah, Gosh, I, mean, yeah, I think I you know. made a really good point. Now, watch the data, watch the upcoming um, watch the up to, uh, upcoming data that's coming with the, the ISM manufacturing numbers, the next payrolls number. We're looking at wage pressures again, all these kind of factors. And then, of course, the next CPI print, which comes out sort of, I think, around the 11th of February. If that again comes out above 7%, we expect it to come out 7.2. Yeah, the dollar just keeps going. And that March number is a lock on and the question will become, whether we get 50 basis points um, and, and how much color and how much context do we get about balance sheet um, yeah, reduction playing through, all of those are dollar positive there as well. So just going through in terms of sentiment, one of the things we've been seeing is this massive drawdown in equities. We talk about the, in those setups, but you know, obviously a lot have been down to flow. You know, the Nasdaq's been slammed. You've seen global equity markets being slammed. You know, you've certainly seen some some other risk assets getting getting whacked as well. A lot of that, as I say, is down flow. You've seen liquidations playing through. You've seen vol targeting funds. You've seen high volatility. They've had to raise cash levels, reduce uh, you know, exposure in the market because of that. You've got hedging coming through from options market makers, and effectively they've been selling puts in Nasdaq and, and S and P, and that's caused the big move down. But we've got so oversold. You know, market internals are just, you know horrific at the moment in terms of how much pessimism is being priced in, and we're getting people trying to say that this is a you know a really strong buying opportunity. JP Morgan is saying that, Citigroup, you know, people are saying there's so much pessimism in now, there's a, you know, oversold, we've got earnings coming up. I'll ask you the question now, you know, with the, the Fed coming out much more hawkish than, than what the market was expecting, amongst this backdrop of very oversold conditions, is this the time to buy, um, you know, risk assets such as equities here? 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Chris. I, I'm I'm sitting here looking. I'm thinking the same thing. It's like one sentiment gets so lopsided. It's you get to a point where you're like, okay, now I've got to take the other side of that trade. I'm not sure we're quite there yet, but I I will say that you know we've come off pretty hard. You know, we I mean, just from a percentage basis, just from the highs. I mean, from where we're current where we're currently at. I mean, if you t- take the S and P, we're only down 10% off the highs. I mean, it's not you know, it's not catastrophic yet at this point, but I do think we are getting into levels where I, I, I do look a little at a lot of sentiment indicators. Um, like one, one of the things that I, that we tend to subscribe to is the, uh, is the, is the daily sentiment index. Yep. One of is we call it the DSI, you know, that's getting into kind of balmy territory. We're getting into the twenties. You start getting me into the single digits, which might be in the next week or two at this rate. Then I start to, you know, maybe flip, you know, counter trend, tactical bullish, if you will. But I do think sentiment is starting to get extreme. Um, but, you know, we're also, you know, the day of or after the FOMC meeting, we we might have a couple of days of follow through, especially if we see the rest of this week, how other asset classes tend to perform, you know, this could feed on itself. And, you know, stops are a real thing. And one thing I do have to mention about sentiment uh, before I turn it back over to you is sentiment is a mother to turn around. Once it turns and that Pavlonian instinct of of traders and investors shift, that's something that the Fed has to wrangle with because once that sentiment shifts, it's, it's, it's hard to turn around. Yeah, I mean, you use that word Pavlovian again. I have no idea what it means, but it sounds great. And you've got a situation. No, I agree. I mean, this sentiment needs... The people have got a shopping list. They want to buy IBM. They want to buy Microsoft. They want to buy NVIDIA. But sentiment needs to turn around. You need an excuse to start and buy it. And a lot of that will be down to flow. So I think we we, we are grossly oversold, but we could be down another 3 5% in this market. The thing is, the fact is, people are lying the Fed put. People are looking for the Fed put. Powell didn't give you anything yesterday in that overnight speech. He didn't give you any reason to believe they've got the markets back here. And that's me, that says to me that rallies are to be sold. Yeah, these are bear market rallies taking place at the moment. Until we get that Fed getting more worried about credit, about what's going on equities, I'm, I'm, I'm a seller of rallies in this market at the moment. Now, I guess we better start looking at like when the list of board governors are out speaking and <laughs> yeah, see when uh, Powell's got his like, little little army out there talking, talking trash and seeing, seeing what happens there. All right. Well, you know, let's, let's talk about crypto, you know, talk about sentiment. One of the things that I've really, um, I've, I've, I've really talked a lot about this over the course of the last year, even before we started the trade-off series on this wonderful show that you guys put on here at Pepperstone, I've talked about crypto being like the ultimate risk asset. I mean, it is, I mean, you, it, it just really is, you know, it's like the most speculative asset class out there right now, even, and, and we could argue, we could talk about, you know, how, um, you know, you know, all the cryptos have been, you know, kind of interweaved, excuse me, it's late in the day for me, yep. <laughs> interweaved, woven into, you know, some of the fabric of the financial markets and whatnot, but, but ultimately the crypto space as a whole is uh is is a real speculative space to be in and you know when you're talking about everybody's targeting bitcoin now and 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 to to 20,000 i think 20,000 is the 2017 previous highs that was a big breakout point everybody's looking for it well chris you know if everybody's looking for it are we going to even get there <laughs> what are your thoughts i mean you know you asked me 3 or 4 years ago i would have said technically yeah i think you step in front of that but either we're going to overshoot it or we're going to stop really, you know, shy of it, you know, maybe 28, 20, 25,000, or we're going to see 10,000. Yeah. I don't know if 20,000 is going to, 
you know, stop the train should we get there? What are your thoughts on on crypto and how how they're how how it's acting? Yeah, I mean, I think people are saying, is it an inflation hedge? I, I do think it's an inflation hedge, just not against realized inflation. It's against expected inflation. There's been a strong correlation with five-year, five-year forward uh, rates, so expected inflation, um, and that's been coming down. Um, you know, there's been liquidity concerns coming through the market. People are concerned about a balance sheet reduction, so the liquidity beneficiaries have been under pressure. You know, the Fed are talking about that their balance sheet reduction being faster and more aggressive. Again, this is something the crypto market's looking at. So I do think it's an inflation hedge, just inflation expectations are coming down and then crypto is coming down with it. So it's just coming down at a faster rate than other markets. So it's a high beta um, uh, market again. Look, I, I sell rallies in, in crypto. I think all of that, that, what I've been talking about equities remains, we may consolidate for a little bit at the moment. The market's had a big adjustment. Um, but yeah, any kind of pop in this, any decent pop in, in Bitcoin or Ethereum and yeah, I'll be, I'll be looking at levels to sell into at the moment given the macro dynamics that are playing through at the moment. So yeah, I remain a seller. Don't fight the Fed. If you're not fighting the Fed, you're a seller of rallies in these risk markets, I believe. What do you think? Well, well, let's talk about like the little mini Chris's of the world and your family. I mean, you're going to be putting to get put putting some Bitcoin or Ethereum or Solana aside for for some of the little ones. <laughs> well, I've got some Nvidia uh, waiting to go in that shopping list. I've got some Microsoft waiting to go. Great earnings from them the other day. Market, you know, initially sold it down six percent. You know, they've, they've got a few issues with the cloud, but it's still growing at what forty six percent. The market's looking forty eight. But it just shows you right there when you looked at Microsoft earnings as a, as a proxy of what's going on. You can come out of fantastic earnings. If you're not blowing the light out, you know, you're in the market just looking for a reason to sell in, in this situation. So, you know, I think there's a shopping list that people look at and going, give me those companies with great earnings, great balance sheets, all quality earnings, and a, and a sort of uh, a mono monopolistic qualities. And if you get down to levels, we're filling our boots. And those are the sort of companies I'll be putting in my, uh, in my, uh, my oh, son's well, shopping I didn't, list. I didn't hear any cryptos then. Okay, yeah, all right, yeah. all right. Well, yeah. well okay, <laughs> cool. Now, we've just talked about some of the thematics that are going through. Let's go into the setup. Um, have a look at them in a bit more depth and look at the rhyme and reason. Let's have a look at the, uh, the flow and capital we're seeing there. Well, first up, Blake, I want to bring up gold. A great chart. It's uh, one that yeah. I talked about last week. You know, we, we, we pushed through that sort of 1830 high. We had a, it turns out it's obviously a bit of a failed breakout. But what we're looking at is that, that multi-year trend line that we've been seeing coming from 2020. And we, we, we've tested that at 1850 um, and we've rejected that. Now we're just, we're just testing that rising trend at the moment. So we're kind of, what, what are we doing? My, my thesis last week and, and, and in prior videos was that gold is a hedge against a policy mistake from the Federal Reserve. But that policy mistake is one where they raise rates too quickly, the market gets worried that it's going to impact economics, the market then forces the Fed to, to price out rate hikes. Um, and then gold is a hedge against that, that, that policy mistake. What we're seeing now is, as you can see there, as we traded that to the, to the downtrend, is gold is a, a hedge against the policy mistake. The policy mistake is very different than, than what we've heard. The policy mistake, which everyone is looking at, is this idea that the Fed have allowed inflation to run too hot for too long, and now they're going to have to slam on the brakes far, far quicker. Um, and the market is not pricing out rate hikes, they're actually pricing in rate hikes. So gold didn't like that because real rates have gone up. So we're at this kind of make or break situation. I think tactically, <clears throat> until we can see a situation where the market goes that the Fed are gonna have to price out rate hikes, which is not happening, then gold is probably probably got some downside risks and it sort of co-mingles with my stronger dollar position there. What do you think? You know, I well, I'm watching the 200 day moving average, which comes in right above 1800 and frankly, yeah, we break through that, um, you know, and, and you have to imagine gold's traded on both sides of the 200 day moving average quite a bit. 
I'm not going to look, I'm not going to look at gold and say, Oh, we're heading back down to 1680. But I do think that I think 1750, that's a doable level. 1760, 1750, that horizontal, some of those horizontal lows back in, I guess it'd be like September timeframe. I think that's doable. So if you're long gold and you can take that kind of a hit, then I think that's Correct. what you could expect, right? Well, I think so. And yeah, I mean, it's this question of what you, what, yeah, why you're in the position in the first place and your objectives. But I think if we get a break and a closing break of that uptrend that you're seeing there, then the, obviously the, the the downside target, which it seems too obvious, is 1760. But I think we, even, given that I expect a stronger dollar and, and real rates of and where they are, I think you know, it, it suggests that 1760 could be the level that we're going to see in the short term, we'll, you know, something that we can revisit next week. Well, you know, the, what, I, what I wanted to look at actually is I wanted to look at the Nikkei and <clears throat> the Nikkei, every time I think of the Nikkei, I think about that song like I'm turning Japanese, but it's yeah. by the vapors, just so you know. That's, and, I'm, and I'm half Chinese and I'm kind of turning Japanese on the Nikkei here. <laughs> right. and, <laughs> but the thing about the Nikkei is we've been in a really, really tight trading range uh, for, for quite some time, since December of 2020. And you can see that multiple times that we've hit that that really key support. We're sitting on it right now. And, you know, when you're talking about extreme sentiment, um, you know, one of the one of the indexes here that could really get hit is, you know, the the Nikkei. And and you know, we get much below like, you know, let's call it 26, 26.5, somewhere around there. Um, typically I would look for a range extension, which would take us all the way back down to like 23,000. But you'll notice if you if you look to the left and to the far left of that chart, You'll notice the highs back in September of 2018. Mm. I think that's a doable target. And that's when you start getting down there, sentiment gets super extreme where you get everybody's a bear. Everybody thinks that the, you know, the world's coming to an end and the bottom's going to fall out. That's actually 161% extension of the last move. The last was well, basically the range, mm. 161% extension. That comes in around 24, 25, 24.4, uh, 24.5. Somewhere around there, I think that's going to be a level that could be targeted to the yeah. downside. But what do you think of the setup here, Chris? Yeah, it's like the, it's like the Russell, isn't it? You know, we saw that break through the range, and you know, we traded down to the targets we looked last week. Again, you know, this needs to be defended now um, because if we get that that break of twenty six nine hundred, which is you know the, the low range there on a closing basis, we'll watch and see how that goes. Um, you know, the, the momentum guys are just going to go out and, and look to go short on this market. Um, and they'll add to length for like pyramiding and effectively as if price continues to fall in short positions. And maybe we do get down to the 23,000 level. But, uh, you know, I think that range break on the what we saw Russell can be a great case study for this, because if this breaks, yeah, I think this this goes down. And, and yeah, I think short positions will be warranted. Obviously, we'll be watching behavior uh, and we'll be watching those flows that come through every week. But, uh, yeah, I think that that range is really key. If you get a, a multi, a, such a range like this and it breaks, it's very, very powerful stuff, Blake. And, you know, you've got to respect that go along for the ride, I think, in that situation there as well. Um, yeah, I want to bring that in. If we're staying on the index side of things, because we've seen <clears throat> really good um, yeah, really good volume playing through in, in the global indices this week because we've got the NICA, the, the NASDAQ trading in a, in a high-low range on average this week over or the last five days of 3.6%. Uh, and that's punchy. You know, People like range expansion. You like to you know, scalp in and out of that range, those daily bars, whether you're you know, trading on 15, 30-minute charts or, or taking a more of a, a sort of a swing position uh, and taking that longer-term time frame. You can see that this is just just been awful really you know since those those highs that we saw around 16,000 it's making lower lows it's making higher highs 
you know, we've got to a situation in, in, in the session that we've just had where the market had a, uh, a higher low and it tried to break out. It got up to the 38.2% retracement. The sellers have kicked in literally at the level. It's still holding you know, the five and nine day exponential moving average, which are moving perfectly lower. It sort of feeds into my idea at the moment now that rallies are to be sold in strength and, and you continue to trade that in the, in the within this bear market. We can look at various oscillators and say that the market's grossly oversold. Yes, but for me, until we can close above those short-term moving averages and people are selling into that, the trend remains lower. And uh, yeah, I think you know, bear market rallies are here. What do you think? You know, I, I, I think you have to sell rallies as long as rates continue to go higher. <clears throat> you know, some of the, these high beta names are going to come under pressure. I, you know, the question is, how far are we going to travel lower? And, and I think if you continue to look left in your chart, which is not pictured on the screen right now, you know, we, we might see those levels that we haven't seen since like, uh, you know, early 2021, which would be roughly around the 12,300, 12,700 levels, you know, in, in the NASDAQ 100. I think those are levels that we might be, we, we might be seeing, mm. um, you know, uh, if, if you're selling rallies, but- I- I don't know what there's. I don't know what I see here, Chris. I'll tell you what I see, could... Blake. I, I, I reckon in three days' time, four days' time, what you're going to see yeah. now is is you're going to see a triangle there. You're going to see the market consolidate. It's going to make lower highs and higher lows, and it's going to have this kind of consolidation. And then that's when we'll probably see it break out. But it wouldn't surprise me at all um, if we were to see you know some sort of triangle pattern playing through consolidation within this market um, before we get a, a new direction playing through. So I wouldn't be surprised if I saw that on the daily. Well, let's let's see if we can get some consolidation here because I'll tell you what, anybody who's bullish the Nasdaq definitely needs some consolidation. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's, it's been tough. That's what they're praying for. All right, let's uh, let's move over to the dollar Canadian. Um, you know, you guys might have remember this from last week. I was I was long the dollar Canadian going into last week. Uh, it played out perfectly, and then you know the question is, do I really want to dip my foot back into the well? And I I I, I hate doing that, Chris. I really do, but this setup is actually kind of juicy to me because we held the 200-day moving average, the trend line that we talked about. It was a 50% retracement last week. We discussed all that. It, it rallied pretty sharply from 125. Here we are about 120, 130 pips higher than we were where were we at this time last week. And if you're asking me, would I buy it again? The answer to that question is, yeah. And the reason why is because crude oil has been absolutely bonkers. But we've got, you know, Russia, Ukraine, France, Germany going to have they, they've all agreed to have some talks in a couple of weeks. That envoy is going to bring some stability and maybe even a pullback to crude oil that could allow for the dollar Canadian to break back above 127. We break above 127. I think we're going to travel back up towards 129. What are your thoughts here? It's, tough, it's difficult because, you know, the Bank of Canada came out and, and left rates on hold. Every, you know, 75% uh, probability was priced into the market. But they're going to go and hike on the 2nd of March. That's when the next meeting is. I mean, the market's saying that's pretty much a lock on. They haven't priced in any chance of a 50, but it's nearly 100% that we get that, you know, given what we heard from Macklin basically coming out and saying that, you know, all this economic... Um, slack has come out of the market. Yeah, the output gap has really closed up quite sharply. They're going to raise rates in March and the market's looking for over five rate hikes this year. So they're going to be one of the most aggressive central banks out there. Um, but they did disappoint the market. And I think that's why we've seen dollar cad moving up and breaking out of that downtrend and that trend and the flow of capital still needs to be respected. So I remain a dollar ball. The question is, how do you play it? I've got a preference to do it against the euro and the Swiss, uh, sorry, the Swedish krona and maybe the yen. But certainly, um, you know, the, the, the cad still has a lot of appetizing and a lot of benefits to it that, 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 that compel me. 
Um, the technicals suggest that this can go higher, be buying pullbacks in this market at the moment. Um, but fundamentally, you know, I'd probably be looking elsewhere other than the CAD for my, uh, for my sort of funding leg relative to the dollar. Fair enough. There you go. Well, yeah, it's time, <laughs> it's time this week. You know, last week, I want to talk about, um, I, I came out of the exotic side of things, lean hogs, and that market's done quite nice. That's about 7% uh, in that trade. Uh, interested to hear some of your thoughts for this week. Let's go into play of the day. Yeah, Blake, I want to bring up the euro dollar chart there because, you know, we've, we've got my play of the day. I talked about it, you know, throughout the show numerous times. Uh, you know, we can see that the euro dollar is probably trading a little bit lower than that at the moment. We've, bro we've broken out. We had this fake out there. We saw the downtrend coming through, you know, coming back from May. Um, we had the failed breakout there. Market took lower. And now it looks like we're trending. We're starting to trend. You know, we've got it priced below the, the you know, these short term moving averages. Uh, the rate of change has been moving to the downside. We've broken and closed through the rising uptrend. Um, yeah, the fundamentals obviously justify this dollar position. People are looking to sell into, into sell the euro, the Swedish krona now. Um, we've got all those issues that are happening in, in the Ukraine with, with, with European lenders. You know, I like this one lower. I think we I think we go to test those 112 levels. If we break that, I'll be adding to shorts, and I think we go down to 111, perhaps even 110. Yeah, unfortunately, a, a week is a long time between drinks when we talk about an update this one next week, especially in the FX markets. Um, so this may change, but I think right now, right now, um, you know, I think the, the probability is that we see lower levels in euro dollar. So that would be my play of the day there. All right. Well, I'm going to say, Chris, uh, great job on your lean hogs last week. One of our traders, uh, one of the traders in my community, Leon, I'm going to give a shout out to him. He really liked your lean hogs play last week. So yeah, kudos to you. <laughs> Thanks, man. All right. So and, and as far as the euro goes, I might meet you. I might meet you down at 111 if I if we see it. Yep. All right. Um, my play of the day actually happens to be Ethereum. I think Ethereum is one of those assets. You know, we talked a little a lot about cryptos. Uh, one of the, one of the chart patterns that I don't think a lot of people are paying attention to is this this slightly ascending channel. And that means that low that we sat we we put in that we, this last week at like 2150, I think that that place is now very mm. critical support. And if that level breaks, we're going to see a lot lower levels in crypto. I think we could we could trade all the way down to like a thousand in Ethereum. I mean, you know, I know I know you're probably going, wow, that you know it's Pretty far Seems away. Seems punchy to me. I, I've got seventeen fifty as my uh, as as my case, but uh, keep going. Yeah, but we can still. We, I'm just saying there's could be some downside. I think the bottom breakdown point is set, and also to the upside. Hey, we get above twenty eight hundred. I think you play it as a breakout to the upside. So I think the breakout points are set for Ethereum and. That's my setup of the day. Great stuff. Well, nice to nice to have your views there, Blake. Well, it's been an interesting week. We've just seen the Fed coming out. Uh, you know, the market was looking for some pushback, this idea that they were going to welcome or sort of push back on the tightening of financial conditions. It wasn't to be. No more Mr. Nice Guy from Jerome Powell. He wants to fight inflation. If that means deflating asset prices further, so be it. And that's why Blake and I seemingly, <clears throat> excuse me, had this kind of consensus view that we may see some consolidation, but perhaps, you know, this further downside in these risk assets. The dollar continues continues to be one that we, we both like at the moment and potentially going to see some upside there. You know, for me, we're looking at gold and potentially looking for some downside in that situation. Blake likes dollar CAD long. Uh, I'm on the opposite side um, in terms of looking at euro dollar shorts. Very interesting week ahead. Hopefully that volatility continues. But uh, obviously, just to make sure that you're just safe in that markets and you're adjusting your position sizing for that movement and the risk as well. So see you next week from, uh, from the team at Pepperstone. Catch you guys next week.